and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 117. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Enterprise's first season episodes, Fortunate Son, Cold Front, and Silent Enemy. Here we go. Fortunate Son, Season 1, Episode 10, Production Number 110, Original Air Date, November 21st, 2001, Directed by LeVar Burton, Written by James Duff, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Lawrence Monison as Matthew Ryan, Kieran Mulroney as Shaw, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Danny Goldring as Nausicaan Captain, Charles Lucia as Captain Keen, D. Elliot Woods as Nausicaan Prisoner, Daniel Asa Henson as Boy, and Alyssa DeVito as Girl. <laughs> Sent by Admiral Frost to respond to an automated distress call, Enterprise intercepts the Earth cargo freighter Fortunate and finds it badly damaged and not responding to hails. Captain Archer leads an away team to board the vessel, and they are greeted by the freighter's acting commander, First Officer Matthew Ryan. You think leaving the horizon was easy for me? I just took off because I got tired of the food? That ship was my home. So why'd you leave it? Why did you abandon your family? In the, another in the long line of odd sentences that only get written down while you're watching a random episode of Star Trek. Hmm. <laughs> Footballers under attack by Nausicans. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, kick us off on Fortunate Son. Fortunate son. Um, I like the episode. Um, I like the story. I kind of like the pace. Um, it's it's not a perfect episode, but I I, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. I kind of like the old. You know, we're kind of getting these old west style plot lines. You know, it's kind of like there's nothing. You know, we get this frontier where there's no law or law enforcement or rules or protocol. So with the cargo ship ship, it's interesting to see that. Uh, this new crew has to tread lightly with these guys to kind of figure out a way to help them and figure out the paths of space. Steve, Steve, what are some of your first thoughts? Yeah, I, I like it fine, um, but probably I like it the least out of the three we watched this week. Um, it's not saying it's awful or anything. I think it's just, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. You know, with the the notion of you know these people. Basically, they're on their own, and they, you know, it's like a, a community that just goes around generation after generation. I think that's an interesting notion. I'm, I've also, I guess, I'm just not a fan, also, of the uh, Travis Mayweather character and all of that kind of interactions. And he basically, it's kind of one of these deals. It's a little uh, cliched, the kind of the notion where he bonds with someone, sort of, and they are not quite seen eye to eye. And then he saves the day by talking him into it at the end and all that. I, again, I don't think it's awful. I just. I, you know, I wasn't. I'm not overly impressed with it. I suppose. Well, that is one something. One something. What? It <laughs> is something that I wanted to address here. This really is kind of the first um, Mayweather episode, and my memory is that there aren't that many Mayweather episodes of Enterprise, mm. and I always kind of wondered if it was because, you know, like Fortunate Son. It's it's not. This is not a bad episode, but it's not. You know, it's not great. And I agree, it's probably the weakest of the three we're talking about today. But I just wonder if they just, um, you know, if uh, they felt like this wasn't that great, and it's, it's just one of those things where then they just end up not going back to him very often. 
um, because it seems like we didn't we in a way to me it seems like not counting the original series which obviously pretty much only ever had a Kirk episode with maybe a couple of Spock episodes um, you know next gen DS9 Voyager Enterprise where they would have episodes centered on characters other than the captain and the XO out of all that stuff it almost feels like Mayweather gets less episodes less there are less Mayweather episodes than anybody else of next gen DS9 Voyager mm-hmm. Enterprise to me mm-hmm. yeah. um, maybe that's not accurate obviously that's something we could probably be find empirical data for but it feels like it so anyway I'm wondering how do you guys think Mayweather comes off as, in this episode do you think that do you think that they didn't do a lot with him because maybe something like this episode wasn't that great do you think they did that because they didn't think he was a very good actor do you think they did that because um, the character wasn't very interesting um, first of all I would kind of agree it's kind of the weak it's, it's kind of weak writing and it's a little over, a little overacted. I mean, it's, and so the weaker part of the episode, I don't know. I mean, you know, because when they got into season two and three, basically, maybe they because they just had all you know the this whole crazy mess going on. They just didn't have time to do as many character type episodes. And yeah, but we get they just kind of fell off. We get episodes for everybody else, for True. sure. You know, I, yeah, I feel. And, and I'm not an expert, and I'm not an actor, and I don't know, but I I don't feel convinced by him. You know, what I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't come off as like a a real person. Maybe he just comes off as a character, like an, a character that's not all developed or something. I'm not sure if that's the actor or whatever, but you know, it's it just seems you know he's kind of got this thing. You know, he's you know he's eager and. And then he's he kind of gets it's it's almost too that swings too far you know like I'm just eager all the time and then if he's dismayed not happy about something then he's down and there's this it's not nuanced you know the performance isn't nuanced enough for me to feel it's it's convincing I guess is what it, for me well, have, you is, have you done ahead. any research on the actor or anything I don't well actually I worked uh, post I worked post on an indie film that he was the lead in from just a couple of years ago hmm. not even that long. Uh, the whole movie took place on a plane. It was like a end of the world thing. He had like a beard and wore a ball cap, and he he was. I thought he was solid in that mm, movie. Mm. Um, Sometimes it, it takes very, a while very, on acting too. Yeah, that's that's part of it. You know, he's definitely matured. Um, he wasn't he wasn't amazing, but I felt like he was certainly stronger in that indie film than he ever was on this show. But even within, let's just talk about this episode, Fortunate Son. Um, I agree that that last scene where he gets up and. I think LeVar Burton directed this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little like the way it's staged. I don't think I'm not sure that it really helps it, but the way he, he's like talking to him over the comm system, but he gets up and he walks around his station. Um, mm. It does feel it does feel kind of cheesy. It feels they didn't help him out like on the they didn't help him out on the. I'm sorry, and they didn't help him out with the writing either. I think yeah, um, they totally have a, a, they set him up where he interrupts the captain. Yeah. And I couldn't remember. I was like, does Archer take him to a side and say, hey. <laughs> but, yeah. but within the same episode, so you've got that. So there's a sequence where he's supposed to be driving it, and maybe mm-hmm. he feels a little weak. At least in the context of the other actors that all, I don't know, where we're going to, I don't know, just off the top of my head, Silent Enemy, the Hoshi Reed thing. I think they're both really good, you know, it's, it's very convincing in a way that you're not conscious of it. In that scene, I'm conscious of Mayweather. Um, I'm conscious of Montgomery's performance. But I want to say that my favorite scene in this episode is probably the scene where 
Mayweather Archer. goes to talk to Archer. Mm. Gotta agree. Gotta yeah, agree. and that's Montgomery is obviously half of that scene. You know, he's probably, I don't know, maybe he's got more lines, but they're probably pretty balanced. But in that scene, I don't know, maybe it's because Bacula is so good and he brings he brings Montgomery up when they're playing together. But um, I think that that scene is a good example of, you know, the guy's got some chops. He 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 looks and sounds good, um, but maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe a little combination I, I of everything, probably. But I because of that scene where he goes to Archer and says, "Why are we chasing the fortunate?" You know, um, because of that scene, I'm not ready to instantly dismiss his acting ability. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of wonder what the real reason was that he didn't get very many episodes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree that it may have been tainted by this this episode, which could be a number of factors that caused it. You know, so uh, as far as acting, uh, asking what he's doing nowadays, I know he just put out a comic book. I think. Well, he, I read uh, something about that. Yeah, yeah, he like wrote a series of comics or something. Mm. I'm not sure about that, but I was just wondering if anybody, Braga or anybody else, has spoken about it. Why he didn't get as many? No, I, I've definitely not heard that. Um. Eh. um Okay, so we've kind of covered Mayweather's first solo outing. I th- also think this episode feels a l- just a tiny bit weird to me because it's trying to be kind of, you know, an Enterprise character episode. But it, there are a couple of scenes where when it cuts to the other guys, like the Fortunate's crew, um, without seeing our crew. or I mean, mm. it even opens with them. It just feels a little disjointed or weird to me when they do that. I don't know what that is. Um also, I've always thought it was a little bit weird. So they, they, they lead Archer and crew under the guise of taking them to their Noskin prisoner. They lead, lead them into one of the cargo bays that they're planning to eject, right? And they open fire on them, and then there's a firefight, and they're shooting back, and it's like... What was their plan here? Were they yeah, really going to exactly kill what, them? Or was, was that this, the plan? Yeah. Were they going to kill them? Because that's... What? Yeah, that's pretty extreme. That Yeah, I that never made sense to me. Like... Even if you really were just going to eject there and eject the thing, okay, maybe, but you wouldn't have started shooting at them. I don't know. That that always felt really weird. Mm, yeah. He also, considering he fired on Starfleet officers, he sure gets out of it the hot water easy. He just gets a demotion at the end. That's right. a little bit weird too. But you know, okay, we're at the butt end of space, and <laughs> <laughs> Archer um, can't take and doesn't have jurisdiction on the ship. Yeah. Yeah, but if they fire on you, I don't know. Mm. Um, it's funny though that I do remember this episode. I, I always thought I, for some reason I thought it was later in Enterprise, but I rem- it seems like I remember this one really well for whatever reason. Um, I always liked the Nausicans. I think getting to kind of see them early, of course, at least at the time, we often talk about some one of the simple things we like about some episodes is just like the Trek history aspects of them and. Mm-hmm. Presumably, this is the first time that uh, Starfleet has any interaction with the Nausicans. Maybe that means humans. This is the first time humans have really met the Nausicans, maybe. Um, I felt a little... Uh, it's another very, very, very minor comment. I would only say it in private to you guys and our listeners. Um, the Nausicans' makeup didn't seem very good. Like I don't know. They seemed kind of... It was a little off. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as convincing as, say, tapestry. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a minor, minor thing. Hmm. Um, 
What do you guys think this episode's about? Well, we can talk about the scene, your favorite scene. I think we would all agree it was probably the best scene of the episode. Um, Archer talks about it's not the codes and morals of Starfleet aren't just Starfleet morals. They're they're human morals, and he, you know, he didn't like the fact that they were out for revenge. That he so it kind of pushes this this ideal society that's kind of created in Star Trek. This moral high, you know, not moral high ground, but this moral code of um, doing right. Steve. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's an awful episode. I think we've kind of covered its weaknesses and so on. I, I do think it's um, it's interesting. It's 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 indicative of this kind of early stage of the exploration of um, of humans into space and the kind of unusual things you encounter. Um, but as far as what it's about, I mean, yeah, it's there's 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 a, there's a bit of that, you know. Um, temperament versus revenge and 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 taking the moral high ground that kind of thing so maybe there's a little bit of that in there so we don't we don't have much for what it's about doesn't really feel like it I don't, I don't know I think it was trying to be about something it was just light <laughs> light on the meaning um do you guys like the uh, Ryan? I mean, he's a pretty significant character in this episode. Um, do, you, do you remember him? I remember the episode. I remember him. So, are we talking about like the actor playing him or just kind of the character? Or? Well, both. I'm wondering if that character had been different. <laughs> um, if his motivations had been... I don't know more sound. Uh, what, it, how, what kind of effect could it have had on the episode? Or it, it, I guess in a, in a way, here it is. In a way, we've talked before about this. You know, uh, episodes that are almost guest star episodes, and those mm-hmm. are usually don't really work. And this episode is trying to be a Mayweather episode. Um, but I think when I was talking about like it's weird the, the way it cuts away to those guys and even opens on them and stuff. It does sometimes feel like this guy Ryan's episode. Right. I mean, he's the one that makes the change. He's the one that really comes around. With the exception of that scene where, you know, Mayweather goes to Archer and Archer says, then what happens to the Nausicans? You know, it's, it's, you're right. It's not our code. Like you said, Adam, it's, it's not our code. This is how we should be. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. It, I don't know if I really feel like Mayweather. I think, I think it's more like Archer points out something to Mayweather that he really already knew. You know, um, as opposed to this guy Ryan that actually kind of has to make a change inside. Well, I think the, the way they the way they set it up and it, it did focus so much on them. I think it kind of did a disservice to the Mayweather character a little bit. I do think that there's a chance that this episode did lead to him having less episodes because it just it wouldn't feel all that solid. But the more we uh, examine it, the more I think there were a lot of things out of the actor's control. You know, and uh, and part of it is that kind of it's they they needed they need to give him more and let and do less with the with the with the uh, people on the north star ship or whatever that is yeah okay i think we i think we meandered to something that that sounds really good to me what you just said that's i'm just going to go back and edit the episode i'm gonna cut everything else <laughs> out fill your sentence 
we, we got there, and that's good. All right. It, I think maybe you can maybe you can take something out of that airplane movie, you know, to fill in the gap, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Six degrees for fortunate son. Um, Steve. Yeah. Since you summed it up, you get the first question. Lawrence Monsoon plays Ryan, the hot-headed new captain that can't get enough of those Nausicans. In DS9's... <laughs> what would I do with that? In DS9's first season, in the episode The Storyteller, he played Hovath, the storyteller's understudy that takes up the job after O'Brien fails to drive off what creature? What was the mythical beast's name that the storyteller and Hovath and O'Brien stop? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I remember that. I was trying for hard questions today, yeah, boys. Yeah, good one. It's a good one. Um, he had a cool name, in all fairness, or I wouldn't have asked. It. I shouldn't say. I don't know what its gender would have been. <laughs> it had a cool name. Um, dang it. I don't think I'm going to come up with it. I'll, yeah, it's, I'll tip my tongue, one of those kind of things. Adam? What, can you reread the question? Sure. You don't mind? Lawrence Monsoon plays Ryan, the hot-headed new captain that can't get enough of those Noskins. In DS9's first season in the episode The Storyteller, he played Hovath, the storyteller's understudy, that takes up the job after O'Brien fails to drive off what creature, what was the mythical beast's name that the storyteller would ward off? Um, the only thing that comes to mind is the Horgon. You know what? I think I remember it, even though I know my turn's passed, but is it Balrock or something like you are, that? You were really close. Oh, okay. Dalrock. Horgon, that was the statue with Unrisa, right? The, oh, right, right. <laughs> what's on Adam's mind tonight? <laughs> uh, you were, when you said Balrock, you were very close. I think you were confusing the Balrock from, <laughs> that's like the Klingon version of a Lord of the Rings character, yes. the, the Lord of the Rings dude with the... Dalrock. Dalrock, all right. Well, yes, very good. <laughs> that was all a right. really nerdy exchange right there, yeah. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> it doesn't get nerdier than that. Yeah. All right. Adam? Yes. Kieran Mulroney plays Shaw, Ryan's XO, who isn't so sure this is a good idea. In Next Gen's second season, in the episode The Outrageous Akona, he played Benzan. Another hard question. What did Benzan secretly hire... Thaddean Okona to do? I have no idea. Steve? Mm, is that like to, to, to claim that he like impregnated this guy's girlfriend or something? Mm, that's not actually what he hired him to do. Okay, I don't know. Something. But you, you got the right episode. Mm -hmm. um, that is what he ended up briefly doing, but... Um, or they believed it, and that's why they wanted Picard to turn over Okona. Uh, he actually hired him to deliver the jewel. Oh, yes, 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 okay. Uh, the jewel of Thesia, not that I would have required the name, to his future bride, who happened to be his father's enemy's right. daughter. Hmm. All right. Those were harder questions. Yes, they were. Cold Front, Season 1, Episode 11, Production Number 111. Original air date, November 28, 2001. Directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Written by Stephen Beck and Tim Finch. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Fleck as Silic, Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Michael O'Hagan as Captain Fraddock, Joseph Hindi as Pra Mantus, Leonard Kelly Young as Sonsora, and Lamont D. Thompson as Alien Pilgrim. Oh.
Enterprise navigates into a stellar nursery, hoping to make contact with some of the alien vessels detected among the colorful gases and protostars. Finding a transport vessel escorting a group of alien pilgrims to the great plume of Agonosera, a protostar which emanates an epic burst of energy every 11 years, Captain Archer decides to caravan with the pilgrim ship and invites the group for a social dinner aboard the Enterprise. I have reason to believe that one of the pilgrims who came aboard today is a Sulaban soldier. His name is Silic. He's the man you fought with on the Helix. How the hell do you know what I did on the Helix? Steve, would you like to begin our discussion of Cold Front? Sure. Uh, so this is kind of the first real episode dealing with the temporal Cold War uh, since the uh, since the pilot. And we introduce the Daniels character, um, even though he appears to have died. Obviously, not the last time we see him. But um, I thought this was uh, this was a real fun episode. You know, a lot of a lot of intrigue, a bit of mystery, the action. Um, I you know I think it's uh, you know Flox is great, and you know again it makes me like him even more the way his interactions are with with these uh, aliens and their rituals and so on and uh, um, I think it it leaves us wanting to know more especially the way the episode wrapped up so I really enjoyed this episode Silic gets a name yep (laughs) Adam some of your first thoughts Um, yeah I would agree with um, Steve it's a it's a pretty fast paced moving episode it's got a mystery um, elements to it Um, it's going to be interesting for me, watching the series all the way through, um, you know, because this is uh, um, Enterprise's little s- story arc that kind of goes through at least the first three seasons. Um, I kind of remember being disappointed by this story arc, but I'm interested to see if I, I'm going to have more of a, a different opinion of it this next time around. As much as I enjoyed this, I did enjoy this episode. You want leaves you leaving more, and I remember feeling that way when I first watched the um, episodes years ago. So I'm just kind of curious about that. Well, yeah, one of the things I liked about it was, I guess it was a foregone conclusion. I I mean, at this point, Star Trek was open to the idea of story arcs and was occasionally doing them. Um, So maybe it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to pick up those threads from the pilot. But, you know, I mean, in this episode, for example, it literally ends on Daniel's quarters getting um, getting sealed. And the very music... Yeah, a very ominous kind of ending, and very clear that this was not the end of the storyline. You know, very mm-hmm. clear that we were going to be following this up. You know, you had to. And, uh, um, and you think about next gen, most of next gen days. No way they would have ended an episode like this. Yeah. No yeah. freaking way. You know, um, even Voyager. I don't know. I mean, DS Nine obviously by mid to late DS Nine they would have done it. Um, but this is this is just such a, it's a, you know, it's like sins of the father. It's that ending that okay, you have to come back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's one of the things I like about it uh, is that it stands alone, but it but it feels part of that 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 storyline. I agree with you, Adam. My memory was that I by the time they resolved the temporal cold war bit, um, I, I I remembered be, being disappointed about the way it was concluded, but. You know, we'll see if that's still the case. Um, yeah, but, but here's, an, but yeah, but within this episode, 
it's still got a lot of promise and there's a lot of neat stuff and it's and it's kind of interesting how they it's kind of a feat almost how this episode seems to have a lot of things going on at once but it you know it's spinning all those plates pretty well like i don't i don't ever feel like it's too much or a jumble or anything um it's nice to see Enterprise meet some nice aliens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, one of them still turns out to be silic in disguise. But, you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. it's our, you know, it's, it's, they're just, they're just a bunch of nice aliens. Well, Silic did uh, save the ship. So, I mean, you know, it's nice about yeah, that. Yeah. I, I still, I'll never understand exactly why. Um, that, that scene took place. Well, or does it get explained? I don't know. We'll find out. Like, if the, yeah, if there's an explanation, I don't remember that. I mean, if in, in the future of the show, but like if the um, the whatchamacallits, the uh, you know, the like future guy, their faction of the Cold War, temporal Cold War, uh, if they can see things so well, you would think they would have seen how much Enterprise would have been involved in their the Sulabans, you know, losses, etc. So why? Why not let the ship be destroyed? Or I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't really matter. Maybe we don't really need an answer to that. Well, we'll um, talk more about it the more we when yeah. they conclude the storyline. We'll have a discussion about it. But I like the guy, the actor that plays um, Silic. I think he's reliably creepy. <laughs> uh, you can see like a bit of his real face when he's playing the alien bit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Um, but he's you know he's good. Uh, Daniels I think is interesting. You know he's got this. Well, you know, they obviously cast him because he can kind of blend in, but then he can perform too. So he he doesn't, you know, so that it's they try to make a little bit of a surprise when he comes out as, "Hey, I'm from the future. You got a minute?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, I I like him. I like him, and um, I remember liking some st- future stuff that they do even better. Man, what season was it where they go to like a I totally can't remember, like a 29th century Enterprise or something absurd. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. He takes he takes Archer there, I think. Isn't Daniels part of that? I don't know. There's So there's some cool stuff to come with Daniels. So I like him. Um, so for me, I guess this episode is entertaining um, because there's enough going on, uh, plenty of stuff going on. Um, but more than anything, it's probably just about the promise of things to come because it because it ultimately ends up kind of feeling like a lot of plot kind of stuff. And that's interesting and cool because there's enough of it and there's interesting bits, there's interesting facets to those plot mm-hmm. m- mechanisms. The, the machine is interesting here. Um, you know, Daniels from the future, Silic as a Suleban... Um, these nice aliens watching their interstellar whatever phenomenon. Um, but when I kind of look over it, it feels a little bit plot and a, and maybe not a lot of meaning. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's entertaining to me. But oh, um, go ahead. Well, I would say the episode still holds up just because it, it moves this plot line forward. So it's kind of harder to, I don't know, I always kind of find it harder to judge like these, yeah. you know, th- these are kind of like episodes within this, you know, it's not a standalone. So mm-hmm. it's part well, of even, a, a bigger storyline. 
if this episode was bad, you would still tell somebody they have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. You know, or you'd be kind of confused. Hmm. I always think it's funny, like, <laughs> uh, Reed and his, and, and his crew are, what are they? They're, they're waiting, and, and, and Archer comes up, and he's, uh, he's behind this panel or whatever. And Archer says, just a second. He puts on the thing, and he walks up the wall. How is Reed not going, like, what the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy, <laughs> what? How is that not happening? Yeah, that's know. that's kind of the problem with Trek in general. Like so much weirdness happens all the time yeah. that no weirdness surprises anybody. <laughs> well, okay. The other thing I have to bring up. Um, so they they mentioned that they watched a movie the previous evening. Is there any Star Trek? Like, is there any like Enterprise crew ever any in any Star Trek where they watch movies? I remember in Voyager I'm watching TV, you know, like old, uh, the, you know, on the old fashioned set, you know, Paris and all that. that. Yep, that was on the, um, was that on the holodeck or is that? Uh, is it a, he, he had, had, he had, he had one had in a, his room. Yeah, he made, it had a TV replicated or something, saving oh. up something. All right, all right, well, good then. So this is not the first evidence of that. But, the, but in, I guess in that case, it's still different. Unlike, say, here, where they're using it as a collective form of entertainment, the same thing. Like a social gathering. You do, yeah. Uh, on Voyager, you had the one guy who was the 20th century antique guy. Yeah, happened to have it. I mean, he had his his uh, black and white recreation of 30s sci-fi movies mm-hmm. uh, on the holodeck. Yeah, but that was just interesting. I don't think there is such a movies as such a movie as Night of the Killer Androids. Yeah, why, could they, why couldn't they got got a title from Paramount like an old Paramount classic? You know, it would have been cooler. I thought. Someone had to get paid or something. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so weird, isn't it? Because we've talked about this before too. But like, I, I can't I can't watch these episodes without thinking about the money side of it. You know, but that wasn't like that when you were a kid. I listened to on Silent Enemy. The Blu-ray has a new commentary track uh-huh. with Bermanis and um, Dan Curry. Yeah, you know. One of them's an effects guy, and the other one's a writer, and they still spend half their time talking about money and budget. Yeah, and they're not, they're not like they're trying to. And like as I said, hey, let's talk about money now. It's just that you can't talk about these things. I don't know. It's just it's 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 sad because like uh you know my son is about to turn four, and you know he's to the point now where like on the weekends we watch we watch movies with him. We're even moving it up now from G to PG a lot, and. um I can see it, you know. I can see it in his eyes. He's he's a hundred percent wonder, yeah. You know, and it's great. And I, and the magic, he's got it all. And he's never watching it, sitting there thinking, um, "Boy, this, uh, you know, if only they'd had this money, they could have done that." You know, or this is that way because of money, or even something as simple as, "Boy, the first Shrek movie looks dated because that CG looks like it's twenty years old." He's not thinking. Uh-huh. Anyway. It's a very that's a uh, not terribly related, but yeah. Anyway, I can't help but think about the money side of it. Um, in in uh, just compare this episode to the other ones we're discussing today. Where does it fall for you, quality wise? Um, I think it's. I like the. I really like the next episode. So I would say this is the second. The first one we talked about would be third. That would be my order. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Well, we're consistent, aren't we? Um, so one big happy family agreeing on everything. Yes. Yeah. 
How boring. You Great guys minds are think alike. Wrong. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So is this, is is this episode about anything? Well, that's the hard part. I don't. I would be totally making up something to try to come up with what it's about. But I think what's interesting is that. I'm not saying it's an excuse that you can't have something that's about all the time, but it, you seem to get away with it easier when it's like a transition episode to move along a larger arc. And we've seen that. Yeah, Enterprise is the latest of these series, so you see more of that, but we've seen this before. That's kind of phenomenon. I think DS9 was pretty good about having an, um, a, kind of a story arc episode and still having it be about something. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's um, obviously you can do it. It's, yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I don't, you know, but you're, you're right. It's not always not about anything, but it's, yeah. Because, but, I mean, you kind of have to get it cut at a little bit of a break because if you like the storyline, if you like the episode, then you kind of have to see this to kind of see where things, because, like, you, if you skip this episode and then you see Daniels come back, then you're going to be confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know what, you know what I think? I think that, for me, the key to making an episode that's like a, a kind of a, a plotty transition kind of episode be about something is to have a character focus. You got to have some kind of a, a character that something is going on with that, you know, that's like that at least is a good B story or however you want to define it. And that, that for me is how the key to making well, it about something. Well, here's the, here's the, the problem. Silic, you know, at the end of the day, he's really, he's just a villain. Mm-hmm. They never really try to give him anything else. They never try to m- really make any much more out of him. I remember there was one episode that actually, if I recall, was really good. Um, well, we'll get to that. But, you know, he, he's he's a villain. And then you got – so my point is that he's not going through any real changes here. Um, and Daniels. Daniels is 100% almost like, you know – I'm um, almost like he's almost like omnipotent or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so outside of everything. Uh, he's not gonna. He's not gonna make any changes, and it wouldn't really be interesting if he did. And any kind of change he instigates in people is just like, well, this is the way it is. I don't know. Um, and then there's Archer. But I know instead of in, if we're talking about these things in terms of story arcs, um, if we look at uh, the Andorians. And and again, you know, maybe we're watching this anew. Maybe I'll have different feelings. But my my recollection was that um, oh, what's Jeffrey Combs Shran mm-hmm. um, that Shran does go through some kind of interesting yeah. character changes over the course of all of his episodes. Sure. You know, his his character is more interesting. Um, so even inside of an episode where that where maybe not a lot really happens. Uh, or, or now let me rephrase that. Inside of an episode that's that serves just part of a larger arc, kind of like this one, so it's not as standalone-y. Um, and even inside of that, we've got Shran growing, and that's interesting. And that's maybe not as important or interesting as having one of our main characters do it, but it keeps my attention more. So my mm-hmm. rec- rem- my memory was that I liked the Andorian uh, storyline better than the Temporal Cold War storyline, you know. And I wonder sure. if that was if that was part of it. So you talk about it needs to have character. Um, I'm saying maybe you can get away with it if it's not 
the main one of our main characters mm-hmm. if he's just that interesting. And and with and with Shran in particular, you get that that pairing between him and Archer. You know, Archer mm-hmm. goes through a fair amount of change in his view about the Andorians because of the way he sees Shran. Yeah. It's like this episode has a lot going on and they orchestrate it well where it doesn't seem like a, too much, but nothing seems to happen with characters. They just kind of – they just play out their roles and you don't even sure. see really the potential for a change in something yeah. or whatever. But, it's, but you know, because of the first part of your sentence, which is accurate, uh, it's entertaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's a lot – there's enough going on. It's just cool stuff. Um, so it's, it's totally entertaining and um, – I think this is a solid episode, and mm-hmm. I and I, um, I think there's enough to make it that it's fun to watch. Um, it just doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of character what it's about. development. And yeah, you think they could have done more with Archer struggling with this? I thought the only the, he, the only the only thing he does, I thought he kind of he does did, believe Daniels awfully quick. quickly. <clears throat> That's the only mm. thing that I kind of thought was like. Maybe they could have had him struggle with this a little bit more, make Daniels prove himself. I just think they didn't have because of the other stuff they wouldn't didn't have the, the time. Episode, yeah, they didn't have the time. And you know what? If they spent a bunch of time convincing him, it probably would have been boring, even if it would have been more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, the concept of believability is what I'm going to be talking about in the next episode, which is what the thing I like about it so much. So I want to get to that. But first. Six degrees for cold front. Our score is zilch to zilch. Mm. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever gotten to say that before, so I, I want to take advantage of it. Uh, really, Who's winning? Nobody. <laughs> for the first time ever, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the only guy in this episode really was, well, what's his name? Jonathan Feck? Is that the... Silicon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've asked about him plenty before, so I'm just going to ask some... Matt Winston questions, and he doesn't really play anybody else in Star Trek, so these are more general trivia questions. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Matt Winston play, makes his first appearance as Time Cop Daniels. <laughs> I got a snicker. Mm. He does seem like the Time Cop character. Uh, in how many episodes will he appear? And six or eight. You got multiple choice. Four, six, or eight? Uh, four. No. Adam? Six? <laughs> nope. Damn, he made it all wow, the way to eight. A lot more know? than I thought. Okay. Same yep. here. Just like curiosity, if I had said six, eight, or ten, you would have said eight, right? I would have said six. And he would have yeah. said eight, and then he would have yeah. got it right. Yep, that's true. All right. But I was thinking I would have said six if you asked me first. I figured it was six. Adam, okay, go ahead. Matt Winston's father was a rather famous FX man. What was his name? I'd be darned. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Damn it. I should know this. It's like I'm on the tip of my tongue. Oh. Go ahead, Steve. Stan Winston? Yep. Yeah. Stan Damn Winston was, was his dad. Hmm. The guy that did my favorite things that came to mind were uh, Terminator. Mm-hmm. The original. Like, and I think he did. Yeah, he did the second one, too, but it was it was that... Model 101 from the original movie that scared me as a kid. And then, uh, remember that big triceratops in Jurassic Park? The one that's like breathing and they're laying mm, on it? Yeah. That was Stan Winston. All that's right. his company. Yeah. All right. Uh, Steve has one. Adam has none. Moving on. 
Silent Enemy, Season 1, Episode 12, Production Number 112. Original air date, January 16th, 2002. Directed by Winrick Colby, written by Andre Bormanis, music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Jane Carr as Mary Reed, Guy Siner as Stuart Reed, Paula Malcolmson as Madeline Reed, John Rosenfeld as Mark Luttrell, and Robert Mamana as Engineer. <laughs> The Enterprise crew is in the process of deploying the second in a series of subspace amplifiers that will allow better communications with home. When an unidentified ship drops out of warp, Captain Archer hails a vessel but is ominously refused to respond and just warps away. T'Pol dismisses the silent treatment by stating that not every species has the motives that can be understood in human terms. I never said we didn't belong out here. I just wished we'd have launched with all our systems online especially weapons if we hadn't launched when we did they'd have sent Clang back to Kronos in a box I keep reminding myself of that but I rushed us out of space dock because I had something to prove silent enemy you know one thing I didn't mention about in our previous uh, discussion there when we were talking about cold front there were a couple nice little bitty character moments that had nothing to do with the episode but I enjoyed like the bit where um Mayweather takes takes the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little stuff like that. Uh, Silent Enemy has this this whole storyline with um, the B line, the B story, and I like the A story a, a lot. Of, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I just I wanted to say that the B story, where um, Hoshi's trying to find out Reed's favorite food, I like it a lot. I really like it. It's a simple little thing, but I mean, you know, part of it is she's really good and he's really good. But I think it's kind of cool for the character. Because I don't know, it just keeps it keeps Reed kind of interesting. It's just like uh, I think Archer is Archer that says it. You know, we don't really know much about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he has that. There's that cool like walk and talk with him and um, Trip. Uh, oh yeah, and Archer's like wearing his civilian clothes. I don't know. It's, right. <laughs> just, a, it's just a cool feel. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, because what are you going to do even when you're off? You're on yeah. a ship, and there's not that many people on the ship. Right. There's not a ten forward. Yeah, you're gonna probably do the same. Have this well, talk with, <laughs> hang out with the same people. You're just, <laughs> you're just civilian close now. Well, I thought, um, it was, and it's a very, un- I thought it was a very interesting way to reveal a character doing this. You know, I mean, you don't see this kind of thing very often, where you don't do it by observing and hanging out and having dialogue with the character. You do it character, for everybody yeah. else researching and doing this little game. Well, even character. Look at the way that. Uh, Archer's the one that contacts the parents, right? Yeah. You know, when he has that conversation with the parents. It's it's very there's a very short scene, but uh, Reed isn't in that scene. But it sure tells you a lot about Reed mm-hmm. because you learn about he obviously has. Uh, it's not necessarily that his relationship with his parents was estranged, but you know it's clear that um, his parents, at least his dad, is probably disappointed in him. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn about like his family history of, of serving in the navy, I think. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's fun and it's cool and it's interesting and um, it's enlightening, you know. And then you get the one scene between uh, Reed and Hoshi, which is <laughs> well, you yeah. see it coming a mile away, but it's funny. It's yeah, funny. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, um, what's cool? Well, also the the contrast between the A and the B story. I mean, I, the B story is very. I've been watching a while. I was talking about the scene where. Reed thinks Hoshi is asking him out. Go ahead, Caesar. What were you saying? 
I was saying like the contrast between the A and the B is is interesting because the B, you know, it's kind of light and funny, where the A story is kind of serious and ominous. Well, they both have the same one same thing going, one similar thing going for them. You know, it's um the mystery, the unknown, and trying to figure it out. And you know that the the A story, it it is neat where, like I mentioned at the end of our previous discussion. In a way, this is probably more believable than most of the first encounters we have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and that's, that's interesting. It, it's not, not so much that they are, you know, evil and trying to, I don't know, scavenge enterprise or something. Not so much that is, is what I assume, but, that we don't have any kind of meaningful communication with them. They're so different. Mm-hmm. They don't look anything like, you know, I mean, obviously this has helped the way they look, the, that they look so different from guy in a suit is because this is, <laughs> the, you know, one of the first times in Star Trek, you know, where technology is caught up enough where they can create creatures, even for the TV show that are completely CG. Um, but, you know, in, in all likelihood, they wouldn't even look that human. Mm-hmm. They're still like, bipeds basically um so that we wouldn't the point is it's believable to me that we wouldn't really be able to f- figure these people out or or easily easily overcome um the incredible hurdle of communication even when they communicate with the humans directly it's obvious they've figured out our language uh but we don't get anything meaningful because all they do is take Archer's message and edit it to say the words they want, which obviously is also even more scary. Um, what you know? What are some of your favorite scenes in this episode? Well, yeah, I definitely we already alluded to, but the I think it's funny the Reed and Hoshi scene and all that, and I, I must have seen this episode more than the usual times on other episodes because I, I really was familiar with it. Maybe I liked it so much that I rewatched it or something. I don't know, but it was very familiar to me. I like that scene and um and and yeah, I do like this the just generally speaking with the A story as we're saying, that kind of it's it's so ominous. It's just it's creepy. You know, these are really creepy the way they do these these characters and we don't know what's going on and it's just so up in the air and you know, I, I just that whole vibe. Yeah, it's it's scary. It, I almost I almost wish they'd played it played up the the terror side of it a little more. But then, I don't know. Maybe then it wouldn't have worked to cut back to this lighthearted storyline mm. with Reed. Yeah, I mean, I, I had something written down. Usually, when um, a crewman goes to the, the you know the the medical ward, it's or sick bay, they're either dead or they're perfectly fine. In this case, it was a little bit in between. You know, they're injured and they may not be right in the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, you usually that's... don't um, see something like that mm-hmm. on on a sick bay it's usually yeah you either you either perfectly fine or you're dead so or you make full recovery you know there's no i mean yeah, obviously just, we don't see these crewmen or the yeah the they were probing their brains or something huh mm-hmm. that's like uh 20th century ufo feud mm-hmm. right there roswell got my anal probe <laughs> hmm well, I don't want to jump straight to what it's about. Uh, I love the way their ship looked. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I would have liked it to not be green because my first thought every time is Romulan. Yeah, what? I know. I, I felt that too. Yeah. 
I think I read, uh, boy, what was it when I was researching this episode? I don't think it was the books. Maybe it was, maybe it's Star Trek Online, the video game. It's some, some, some other not official canon-y Star Trek storyline. Um, did put them with the Romulans in some way. Hmm. And give him a name too, but that obviously was not canon. Um, do you guys like pineapple? I do. <laughs> is that the yeah. trivia? That's trivia question. No, yeah, yeah same six area. degrees. Yeah, yeah, I like. <laughs> I, you know, and I thought, and it, and it's I don't know why it, it's so nice, but I really do like the ending. I mean, it, it's so feel good, you know, and it's not feel good like in a cliched kind of campy Cheesy. way it just yeah. feels yeah. how nice you know i mean th- these people they care about each other they're looking into this and then and reed of course because he's so reserved and then you he just you know it's almost he can't contain himself the how pleased he is they thought of him. you know that's just real nice and they're drinking beer i mean yeah. I, know, I, know that, I, know, I know they've drank on star trek in the past but it's never been like you know clear beer it's always some sort of weird concoction that they make up i think it was was it Bermanis on that commentary yeah, who yeah. said, like, yeah, in, in Voyager, they would, uh, to celebrate, you'd have the entire crew on, you know, at, at Neelix's place, like, sipping champagne out of flute <laughs> uh, glasses. And on Voyager, you get just these these three or four people down in engineering, hanging out, drinking beer. <laughs> so it is it is certainly more relatable. Um the one question I did have about this episode is like, why weren't they building these cannons the whole time they were going out, little by little? Yeah, we're forward thinking there. Well, I, I think no, I, I think I have an answer for that though. I think that they really never did plan to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it was only it was it wasn't until um, Reed and Trip almost took it like a personal affront, like uh, we have to go back to Earth um, because we've. Because we can't handle what's out here on our own, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when you said you like the ending, actually, at first I thought, I mean, I understand now it's because you like pineapple cake. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Wait, would pineapple cake go with beer? I don't. I don't. I'm not a much of an alcohol it, person. It, it, that it seems odd to me. I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of beer. Maybe to be the right. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, at first I thought you were talking about the ending. Just the how I I would say it's not cheesy that. You know, Archer decides. You know what? We don't need to go back to Earth. You know, oh, I like okay. I like how it's it's Archer or not not Archer. It's um mostly Reed, but then Trip. You know, it's the two of them that really take it upon themselves. You know, they don't get they don't even get. He doesn't ask Archer uh, if if we can build this ourselves. Do we still have to go back? You know, it doesn't like that. He says, Yeah. Would you mind if we start this a little bit on the way just to. Yes, go ahead. But they are on the way. He tells Montgomery to set a course for Earth or mm-hmm. Jupiter Station, whatever. Um, so you know, I like that, and I like if they if they lingered on that whole storyline, if they lingered on Archer saying, if, if Archer had given some three minute speech about why now they don't have to go back to Earth, then it would have been cheesy. But that's not what happened. So I like this episode. I like it. I think it's pretty good. Um, certainly the best today, and uh, certainly very solid. One of the one of the better episodes that we've seen so far in the first whatever where are we at dozen episodes of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. What's it about? Reed doesn't like fish. 
Well, part part of it is becoming family. Obviously, you know, they're trying to, you know, do something nice for Reed and they learn more about him and they become closer knit. And we kind of see that in the episode, like like we talked about earlier with, um, you know, them walking through the ship and hanging out when they're off duty. Um, and, then, you know, it's also about doing something on your own. Um, they were able to, to build these weapons and put them together and continue on their mission. Yeah, I mean, I, at first I thought it was, you know, it's a bit disparate. Like, it's hard to say what it's about for both the kind of the A and the B, you know, because there's, there's definitely more of a, you know, taking chances, taking risks, hard work kind of thing. But when I think about it, it's what does what is pervasive over the episode is this notion of of making an attempt and caring, you know, like I'm I'm trying, I'm risking things, I'm pushing towards something to get to a goal. And essentially that happened in both in both the A and the B story in in different ways, different vibe and all that. But it's it's like it's it's worth the effort kind of thing. You know, that's that's what I kind of felt. What does Hoshi say near the end? No, no trouble at all. <laughs> wink wink, nudge nudge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a good good solid episode. Sounds like we all liked it. Let's do um Six degrees for silent enemy. Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Uh, so Steve has one just to give us a catch us up. All right. Adam, John Rosenfeld played Lieutenant Mark Luttrell. Reads old. Yeah, wait a minute. Why did I say played? I always write these things in present tense. Hmm. hmm what was going on? I don't know. I'm going to start that over. John Rosenfeld plays Lieutenant Mark Luttrell. Reads old buddy that apparently loved seafood. He played a technician from the planet Uxall in one of the final episodes of Voyager. In the episode, Voyager is tasked with locating a long-lost Earth probe from the 21st century. The episode and the probe share the same name. What is it? Voyager? No, that's the name of the show. It's also a name of a pro. <laughs> <laughs> you do read science journals. There's the Voyager probe that's going on. Well, what is it? Voyager. Which which Voyager becomes a uh, motion picture? Voyager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that two? Uh, oh, Steve, do you know the answer? Um, I'm maybe mixing up which name goes with what storyline. Is that the Friendship one? You're correct. It was Friendship 1. Steve, Robert Mamana plays Eddie, the crew member that Reed uh, dresses down when he flubs up. He played a guard in Voyager's final season in the episode Workforce. Most of the crew is kept brainwashed so that they will work in a large industrial complex. How are their memories kept repressed? Oh, gosh. I vaguely remember this, but... Um, it's some kind of drug or something. Yeah, I'll take that. They were getting injections. Yes. Well, we started off nothing to nothing, but uh, Steve ended up sweeping the day. All right, folks. You know, as you listen to this, Steve is sipping Mai Tais in front of blue water. <laughs> uh, and I took t- and I took time out to record this podcast. So. <laughs> Yes, we're recording a little early because <laughs> vacation. Um, but uh, we thank you so much for spending an hour with us. 
and we are excited to come back in a couple of weeks. Um, actually, it's good. I'm, I'm moving too, so don't worry. I'm still in LA. I'm just moving from one place to another. I think in two weeks we're discussing Dear Doctor. Yes. And uh, my memory was that I loved Dear Doctor, uh, even though I've had a couple of emails from people saying, are you crazy hmm. about that? But we're going to find out hmm. if I'm crazy. Uh, when we watch the next three episodes of Enterprise in just two weeks' time. So thanks again for hanging out with us, and until next time, take it easy. See you. Stefan, I passed it.